And when he had said this, he breathed on them. In the name of Jesus, amen. A year or two ago, I I heard a talk by a a friend, acquaintance of mine named Dave Zoll, works with uh, Mockingbird Ministries, actually founded here in Charlottesville. Great, great Christian ministry. Um, Don't remember a a whole lot uh, about the talk. It was about the divisions in our society and the, the, uh, the loneliness which can attend such divisions. What I remember most is his, his opening line and how he developed it in the first paragraph. Uh, the opening line was, was something like, uh, the biggest problem or a big problem uh, with uh, people today is that we've lost our sense of smell. Which is kind of, it's a good opening to a, a, a talk because it makes you think, well, what in the world could he be talking about? And you want to you keep listening. You, you might sniff around and say, well, I, I, smell the, I smell the lilies and things of, of that sort. Well, he went on to talk about how it's, it's one thing um, to get to know other, other people uh, via the senses of sight or sound. Especially the kind of sight you see on a screen or uh, a sound you might hear from a, a podcast or a, a news program or something. And when you only know people in that kind of um, abstract way, um, they're easy to categorize and make assumptions about and then, and then dismiss. But he says, uh, to know someone by smell, <laughs> you've got to get really, really close. Uh, you, you might think of there's anybody on the planet um, whom you could recognize by their scent, it's probably someone to whom you have been uh, habitually really close. Uh, to know someone by smell means you get to know them and all the, the sweaty messiness that we all swim in, and so uh, less easily right offable. I, I, like, I like the image. And I think it's, it points to, to what's true. It's a lot easier to dismiss someone um, to whom you've not gotten close enough to, to smell. So the kind of knowledge you get from getting close enough to smell. What had me thinking about that today or this week was that gospel lesson we just heard a moment ago and the, the scene depicted Therein that you uh, probably know fairly well. It's the second part of, of John chapter 20. You probably know the first part of John chapter 20 even better. That's Easter morning that uh, Mary Magdalene and the ladies go to the tomb and they find it empty and they don't know why. They run to tell the disciples. Peter and John sprint and confirm that the tomb is indeed empty and they're baffled by it. They cut the scene, and Mary Magdalene's in the garden. She comes across this fellow. She thinks he's the gardener until Jesus says, Mary, and she realizes that it's, it's the Lord, and then she runs and, and tells the disciples. Then our lesson picks up that evening in this room where the disciples, not all of them, but most of them, it's probably not just the 11, we think disciples is a larger group, uh, stuck in this room, and, uh, and I'm pretty sure it stunk in that room. Um, uh, it stunk because it was a, a closed-up room with a bunch of people um, jammed in it. And well, well, stunk because probably everything, by today's standards back then, stunk. <laughs> but, but even uh, more so now, given the events of the last couple of days, perhaps folks had not attended uh, to personal hygiene as they would have at other times. So, so real stink. Uh, but then the, the metaphorical, the metaphorical kind as well. The, the anger and the guilt 
And the shame in that room must have been so thick. You could almost smell it. They, they'd, they'd abandoned their Lord. All these who had pounded their chests and said, I will never leave him, left him when the going got tough. And anger and accusation, too, it always happens when there's an outside trauma in families, in communities, churches. When there's some outside trauma, pains which were already there but unattended to, suddenly come to the surface. I imagine the anger and accusation going on in that room. The smell not only of real stink, but the metaphorical pain and guilt and shame and anger and accusation. Ugh. Rancid. It's into that room that Jesus comes. Locked doors? <laughs> Jesus comes, comes into this room. He says, peace be with you. But see, that doesn't uh, do it for them. It's not until he shows them his ID, the, 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 the marks in his hands and his, his side, and says, peace be with you again, that they see the Lord and rejoice that it's him. And then we're told this. And he breathed on them. Has anyone ever breathed on you? (laughs) I bet if they did, it was in a rather either an intimate or a creepy (laughs) situation. Um, You you probably would not take too well if if I were to come down out of the pulpit and uh, and breathe on you (laughs) right now. (laughs) Because that would mean I'd have to get really, really close to do it, right? I can breathe at you from up here. But to breathe on you, and actually the word that Jesus or John uses says it's more like even breathe in. To breathe in, I'd have to get really, really close and probably make both of us very, very uncomfortable. Jesus does that. He gets close enough to breathe on them. And what else do you have to do? Think about this. What else do you have to do in order to breathe on somebody? First, you have to breathe in. Oh, (laughs) to breathe out, you first have to breathe in. The first thing that Jesus does when he comes in that Easter Eve after announcing himself and peace is he gets close enough to first inhale that smell, which must have been almost unbearable, and then breathe out upon them. Which, for every reason, I find absolutely beautiful. That Jesus got close enough to inhale their stench and then to blow it away, to blow Holy Spirit, to blow divine wind. To blow, to blow forgiveness, that's what it says, to blow forgiveness on them and then through them. <laughs> well, I said, well, for whatever reason, I find that rather beautiful. It's not really what forever reason. It's because I stink. And because you do too. Whew. Good thing we got these lilies up here, right? <laughs> There's a reason in most churches that they really stack up the lilies around the pastor. (laughs) Beyond them, we, of course, have all the fancy perfumes we use to cover up our pains and the colognes to conceal our own guilts 
and shames and accusations, but we stink. Even if we don't smell ourselves. (laughs) Even if you suffer from some sort of spiritual nose blindness. (laughs) Which I really want to tell a joke right now that my son told me the other day. But it's only the kind of joke that an 11-year-old and the 11-year-old inside a (laughs) 47-year-old can laugh at. I'll give you a hint. It's about a man who not only had gastrointestinal issues, but also had a problem with both his sense of hearing and his sense of smell. You can piece it together or ask my son after the service. But it would, I told him he'd be, he'd be asked. So. But it'll help you get this idea of the, the smells that we don't, even, we don't even notice. But whether we notice them or not, they're there. And Jesus comes close to those disciples. He inhales. He takes it all in. All the fears and the angers and the guilts and the shames. That he, then he breathed on them. It's so wonderful. It's like Jesus wanted to make sure that they not only heard his forgiveness, but they had some kind of tactile feel of it. Peace be with you, but forgiveness on their faces. Forgiveness on their faces to the breath of Jesus on your face. That's what forgiveness feels like for those disciples. And Thomas too. Leah Thomas in there. We have to mention Thomas on this day. We always get that Thomas, and we, uh, we have doubting Thomas, unbelieving Thomas, stuff like that. He wasn't there for whatever reason the first day. And I know we give, we give Thomas a, a hard time, and usually when we think of doubting time, Thomas, we, we ask ourselves, now what was he doubting? And we say, oh, he doubted that Jesus could have possibly been raised from the dead. But I'm not sure that was it. You see, Thomas had been present a little more than a week before when Lazarus, dead four days. Jesus only dead a couple. <laughs> when, when Lazarus was even stinkier than Jesus, and, and Jesus called him from the tomb. So I'm wondering if it wasn't that Thomas doubted simply the possibility that Jesus could be raised from the dead. But he doubted that when the disciples told him Jesus came back risen from the dead, he came back with peace and blowing out forgiveness. Maybe Thomas would not have had as much trouble thinking that Jesus had actually risen from the dead if his friends had told him Jesus came back not to blow forgiveness on us, but to blow us to bits. That would have made more sense. Make more sense to me. When I act like that in our homes, in our houses, in our churches, in our community, you don't expect the, you're forgiven, you expect the accusation. But whatever it was, Jesus came back a week later. I think for no other reason to make sure that Thomas did not miss out. To make sure that Thomas would not get left out of that forgiveness, of that assurance. And Thomas, he's got to come close too. Get over here, buddy. Stick your finger right in here. Get over here close enough so I can smell you and your doubt and all your unbelief so that you can know as well that that forgiveness is for you. Jesus would not let Thomas be left out and will not let you be left out either. He comes close. One of the reasons, obviously, that you don't want me getting up close to you, close enough to smell you or or me or you to me, is that you're afraid that I'm afraid that in addition to uh, uh, catching a a, a whiff of your outward odor, we might somehow also sense catch a whiff of the shame and the guilt and the resentment and the anger that is going on inside of all of us right now. Afraid that someone who gets that close might catch a whiff and turn up their nose, repulsed, like the doctor at that guy in the joke I didn't tell you about. 
But that's not Jesus. The resurrected Jesus, the Jesus who on the cross endured the stench of sin and death, he has for no other reason come close to you. That's why he's been raised from the dead. To come close enough to smell you. To know you and smell you, to know all that makes you, you, and to breathe it all in. And then, to breathe out peace. To breathe out You are forgiven. To breathe out a love that is stronger than death. You know, they used to do a thing at baptisms. Some churches still do this, called the the insufflation. I also think it's a medical term, and they like pump up your body with air, but basically it's a fancy word for going. (sighs) Maybe they, they, they do it to babies. Uh, Little babies or most ones being baptized, and that's maybe be harder to get away with a, a bigger person. But as a part of the baptismal service where the, the priest, whoever's doing the baptism, would go. <laughs> Maybe we should do that during absolution. Turn to the person to your left and go. <sighs> but it's so, uh, at, least, at least once in your life at your baptism that that little child of God could feel through a, a symbol, could feel the, the forgiveness flowing, flowing onto them. You are the insufflated. You are the breathed upon. That peace and love and forgiveness and grace is yours right now. It's a peace and love and forgiveness that actually might even help you get close enough to some other people to smell them and then rather be rather than being repulsed by them to then go and breathe on them. The same love and grace and forgiveness and peace. It's a love and grace and forgiveness and peace that in a few minutes you'll get a whiff of. When Jesus comes close to you, close with his body and blood, under bread and wine, with the forgiveness and grace and promise of a place at his table forever, comes close to you with forgiveness so real you can taste it on your tongue and smell it in your nose. That is yours now. Take that image with you today of Jesus, right up in the smelly faces of those disciples. And then, breathing forgiveness onto their faces. Know that that peace and forgiveness is yours now. And as much as we are the breathed upon, long for the day when as to those disciples on Easter Eve, The risen Jesus will come close to you and you too will feel his risen breath on your own risen face. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.